All right, people, welcome back to the show. Hope you've been well. He's a first-time guest. His name's Andrew Baxter. How are you, sir? Good morning, Damien. Very well indeed. Thank you. And yourself? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Can't complain. For people who maybe have just heard your voice for the first time, do you think you could give us a Cliff's Notes, I guess, of who you are and what you do before we move through? Yeah, I guess, you know, in terms of professionally, I'm the CEO and founder of a, a company called Australian Investment Education. We focus primarily on helping everyday people uh, invest in the stock market uh, using a couple of strategies, which are very, very similar to property investing. They're lower risk, they're cash flow strategies, and they're pretty straightforward for people to apply. And I guess the stock market has has been my life, my entire professional career, but it doesn't mean to say that's the only uh, that's the only playing field I like to get on. I do like to get into the property market and other things too, as I'm sure we'll cover. What sort of got you into, if you, as you said, stocks have been sort of your bread and butter for a long time. You've been involved in the stock market for a while. What sort of was the catalyst to get you involved in it in the first place? Uh, my 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 uh, growing up, I grew up in the UK. And I grew up in a pretty poor working class family. You know, my dad worked in a car factory. My mum was a cleaner, uh, and I just saw my parents work their guts out. and And I think, you know, my parents gave me some great advice over the years, which I still follow to this day. Uh, yeah. One of them was work hard at school so you can get a good job. I, I got into university. I graduated with a with a bachelor of science with honors in economics and finance. And don't worry, you don't need that background to be a good investor. I think sometimes yeah. that can be can be a real uh, sort of weight around your neck. But uh, and uh, when I graduated, you know, I pursued a goal, which was the relentless chase of money. I was young and, and naive. And because I didn't have any when I was a kid, it was something that I felt was very, very important to me. And I, I started working in the city of London uh, and uh, worked for a couple of very, very large investment houses, which is quite different to really where my start in the stock market was, because my first investment in the stock market was just before the 87 crash. And I, I literally mm. got handed my backside on a silver platter. I lost mm. a lot of money. It sounds like, though, that wasn't that wasn't a reason for you to never do it again. It sounds like you probably no. learned from that a lot and sort of uh, evolved from that going forward. What do you think were the lessons you learned from that crash? Look, I think that's a, a great observation. And, and I think there are a lot of different ways of looking at life. I think everything contains a lesson within it. And oftentimes you learn more from your mistakes if you can be humble, uh, mm-hmm. I guess the quote is you can either be humble or humbled. And, uh, and you know, you can learn a lot from that. And at the time, I've done a little bit on stock market investing at school, I had some money saved up from a part time job. The way it was portrayed was you can't lose. And, and so I did. And it prompted me to hit the books and, and study a lot harder about things like risk management. Uh, and that really has been the mainstay uh, of my career as someone that's now been in this game for 30 plus years, most people kind of come and go, because, they might get a good bit of fortune or timing and, and and make some great money without learning that hard reality that actually it can go the other way too. So, yeah, I'm very grateful for that because it prompted me to dig deeper, to be curious uh, and to maybe learn a little bit more about how the game actually works properly. Uh, and that mm. really did set me up for my career. Yeah. I, something I see as like a common thread between people I speak to who are in the the stock market compared to maybe property is the idea of maybe not putting so much into the market that you're unwilling to to lose, if that makes sense, like not putting so much into it that that if you lose that money, it's the end of the world. I wondered if if that's something you could sort of connect with or not. Yeah, I, I think like any investment, there's always an inherent risk that's associated with it. You know, it's never about how much money you make. It's always about how much money you get to keep. Uh, mm. And again, you know, it may sound a little pessimistic to say that way, but I think if you prepare for the worst, expect the best, the ball usually drops somewhere in between. Yeah. 
one of the things that I guess my my first investing experience and, and what it cost me, which was nearly all of my capital, was that I was never going to do that again. And the way that we've approached the market since, how we teach our clients, how we manage money, how I manage my own money, has always been with a focus on risk management first and then opportunity second. And so, you know, with the vast majority of the investments that we do, the amount of capital that you potentially could risk is actually fairly limited. And in some instances, we even ensure positions so that you've got no downside. I've never heard that before. Risk management first. And what was the second part of that? Mm. Sorry, Andrew, risk management first and then. Risk management first always. And 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 what we, we also do is yeah. it, it, we can put different strategies in play to protect investments. So we can insure shares, for example, so that, you know, you can effectively eliminate or certainly quarantine your risk to a very, very low amount that most people would be more than comfortable with. Mm. Yeah, so misbelief okay. that you could lose all your dough. You could mm. if you put your money on a company that dropped to zero. If you focused on investing in good businesses, not WeWork and, and Enron and companies that are all hype, mm. but actual real businesses that produce stuff that people use mm. and then mitigate risk by, you know, diving into education which i think is probably the most important investment for anybody and learning how to how to offset that risk is crucial it lets you sleep at night and i love my sleep that's for sure yeah 100 percent. yeah i've i've found like something my dad tried to explain to me about investing in anything um he's got a fair a fair background in in like a thing called game theory in his job in the taxation department for a long time in public service here and like figuring out if we're going to take certain actions, what are all the different, I guess, like tree branches of things that could happen as a as a result of the choices you make and becoming as comfortable as possible with the worst possible outcomes. And if you can't be comfortable with those outcomes, then you probably shouldn't do the thing. Uh, and that's helped me a lot in my own life, especially since I got started investing myself. Yeah, it, it, it's it's it, it's it's a really important step to do, and I, I think the key thing there, and there's always wisdom from our parents, and it doesn't matter, yeah, you know, how we go on our own journey. You know, the, the acorn doesn't fall far from the tree. You learn an yeah. awful lot, even if it's just by osmosis of being around them. And yeah, one 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 thing to take out of that is this notion of planning what you're going to do before you actually get into the investment, because as soon as you're into any kind of investment, whether it be a property transaction, whether it's in the stock market or it's crypto or whatever endeavor people may be involved with out there. The reality is once you're in it, emotions can take over your decision-making. And if you sit and take the time prior to and say, look, if this happens, I'm going to do this. If this happens, I'm going to do that. And then commit to that plan. You've made it without any kind of emotional input because you don't own the position at that point in time. Uh, so it's much easier. It's called the endowment effect, actually. Mm. It's a good name for it. And the more you can divorce yourself away from that, the more objective your decisions are. And it's a great, great, great piece of advice. Map mm. it out before you even click the trigger to start. Yeah, exactly. You're, you'll become more comfortable with where you might end up on the journey too. Given your experience with life, what do you think, if you could go back to a 25-year-old version of Andrew and sit him down and assume that he listens to what you have to say, what do you think, what what sort of advice do you think you would give that version of yourself? <laughs> I think specifically in the investment space, um, I started early. I was, I was 17, 18 when I did my first share transaction. I was around 24 when I did my first property transaction. I remember buying my first place in London. And, and and I think number one would have been to try and get started earlier, even though by most metrics, that's a reasonably, you know, reasonably early start. I wish I'd started earlier, purely and simply because you've got that time uh, working for you, the quicker you get started. Uh, and so that would be one thing. And I think secondly, because probably up until I was 29, which is you know when I effectively retired, uh, from 
what I was doing in the city of London and, and then moved to Australia. My area of expertise was inch wide and mile deep insofar as it was all about trading. And, and, and that was the mainstay other than the property I'd bought in London uh, of my wealth journey. And it wasn't until I moved to Australia and started to explore yeah, a broader spectrum of investing uh, that I sort of, I guess, yeah, diversified a little bit more. And again, I wish I'd probably done that a little earlier too, um, in that, you know, explored other types of investing. That would be be two things for sure. I'd also probably explore my relationship with debt on the basis of what I now know versus what my beliefs were when I was younger. Mm. Could you expand on that bit again? I feel like I hear that sometimes and I've read that in books about maybe some people having this idea that all debt is bad as opposed to maybe there's a divide between good and bad debt. But do you reckon you could expand yep. on that a little bit? For sure. And 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 it's a huge one. So my parents and particularly my father always said to me, you know, as long as you own money, somebody owns you. Uh, my dad was very, very debt averse. Yeah, his priority was to try and get the mortgage paid off as quickly as possible. He worked all hours, weekends, anything to get cash in to pay the mortgage down. And I think to an extent that most certainly rubbed off on me where I've been very debt averse throughout my entire life. And so there's always a yin and a yang with these things, Damien. The, the, the positive of it is that I've had financial peace of mind and no debt for 25 30 years in my life, which is a blessed place to be based mm. on the financial stress that a lot of people sit under. And I've been able to achieve that because I've also on the income side had the ability to generate, you know, quite substantial income. The opposite side of the coin is that that aversion to debt has meant that I probably could have expanded my wealth considerably by taking on more calculated risk or gearing up, particularly as we get older and understand things like structuring and, and, and you know, the tax benefits of how debt can then be harnessed. And as I say, when I was younger, I wasn't aware of that. Now I am. Um, but I guess even though I know about it now, I'm pretty pretty happy with my life being debt-free and stress-free. It, uh, it goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird place to be. I re- I, I can imagine. Like, I obviously, I'm I'm quite young, and in in my in my investing journey, I've had a house for just nearly a year. Like, I've I've not really had a huge amount of debt in my life or any huge investments. Um, as a person that has been able to sort of attain the success or that that um that thing that you've been chasing for however long of your life, once you achieve it, do you still find things to get annoyed about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah you do i've got yeah. five kids so that's okay. very easy but uh, no i think um your focus shifts a little bit and as i said when i was younger my my goal was that relentless pursuit of money almost at all costs and i look at how aggressive a trader i was when i was younger uh, and, and that's a world away from where i am now because mm. a i don't need to chase it and b my focus is on preservation and growth as opposed to speculation i suppose yeah. would be the, the easy way to describe it so yeah, there there are certainly differences that are there, and I think your goals have to change too. And the sort of threshold for that, I think, once you've got the first thing that you went for, it's an achievement goal. You can tick the box. And and, and if you ever read things like Atomic Habits, which is a terrific book by James Clear, it's one of the, I reckon one of the best books in the marketplace. You know, achievement goals are great; they get the wheel turning. But, but once you've achieved that, what do you then do next? If you if you don't want to stretch yourself, and I think you know, focusing on more like identity goals of well, what what what's the sort of person I want to become as opposed mm. to what do I want to have opens up a world of possibility. So it was about 99 when I moved to Australia, well, it was 99. And I was playing golf. I met someone. He asked me why I wasn't working. I told him I was retired. Um, 
And he said, well, how do you do it? I said, I traded. And he said, he's been doing it very, very badly. Would I help him? Uh, and that for me was a sliding doors moment because I'd never contemplated teaching this stuff to people. And I was very good at doing it myself. I actually was a pretty rotten teacher way back then because I didn't have an experience on, on, on how to teach. And I, I got him up and running. It took about five, six weeks. And then his accountant contacted me and wanted to know what we've been doing to, to, to kind of help him make this money. Mm. So I went in and met the accountant. I taught the accountant. Then the accountant opened the door and let me teach his clients. And I, I suddenly worked out what the next thing was for me. And it was purely by accident. It was a sliding door moment that teaching people the skill set that I'd harnessed during my time in London, there's a, there's a demand for it. And I think with any level of success is also, and I appreciate it sounds a bit of a cliche, but I think with any level of success, there's a, there's a responsibility to sort of help other people get to the same place if they mm. want to, if they're prepared to commit to it. So it enabled me to shift my goal from just trading and wanting to make money to helping other people do the same thing. And I, I think from a fulfillment and satisfaction perspective, it was one of the best decisions or, or, or happenings within my life because chasing money was great, but I wasn't fulfilled. Yeah. And success without fulfillment is the ultimate in failure as soon as you start helping other people and you pass the baton on then it's what you're doing here with sharing this kind of message uh, as you do with your podcast as we do with ours is it's a game changer for people because if you light that candle and it gets people in a frame of mind where they do start to take action and they do believe that they can do more that's more fulfilling than anything i get more fulfillment seeing my client's success now than my own yeah for sure this might be a bit inside baseball but a couple of my good friends are in the personal training industry and they sometimes struggle, especially in the early days where they'll have clients who they can tell quite early on, they'll say they want to get healthier and they'll say they want the success and the benefits from getting in better shape physically. But week to week, they're not seeing their clients changing much because once they've not spent that 40, once that 45 minutes is over, they're just doing the same thing again for the rest of their week. They're not changing any of their habits in a drastic way. And I've found that people that are in a space similar to you where they're helping others try to achieve similar things to what you've achieved in the stock market and growing wealth, there'll always be a mix of clientele who legitimately buy into changing their life for positive uh, reasons and those that just want to feel like they're doing something is that hard for exactly. you to disassociate from? Do you think it, 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 it's a it's a it's a perfect example, and it's more common than people would think. And it's rather like you know, if you buy a gym membership, you automatically get a six pack. You've got to go. You've got to pay the yeah. price of admission, and it's not the monetary price; it's yeah. the commitment. And I think in society now, asking for commitment is a tough thing for people because they feel that they're busy. Quite doing what who knows but people seem to be busier than they've ever been but are they focused on the the things that are going to change their life and you know you meet a, a smorgasbord of clients that that come through any kind of education program we've had the opportunity to help you know 50 60 000 people through our program and, and you see people that come in and they're the people that will buy anything and try anything but commit to nothing and they move on mm. to the next thing the next thing the next thing and talks cheap money buys the whiskey they say oh, i want this but when it comes to actually doing the work and mm. crunching they're found absent and yet you'll find other people that have got a an entirely different motivation where maybe they've taken a step back in life and realized they're so far away from where they want to be yeah and that, that, that they must it's not a need it's not a want or a desire it's an absolute must and they are prepared to pay the price of admission and they're the ones that, that kick the goals and of course the other mob that tried or, or bought a membership but never did anything at the gym 
that was right for you, you were lucky. And yeah. there's no luck involved. It's just pure graft. And I think that comes down to personal values. You know, you, you have to want something and it's got to be a must. It's not a like or a should, it's a must. And if you make mm. that level of commitment, that internal dialogue, you can start to get there. And, and what you're doing effectively is, is, is entering into an agreement or a contract with yourself. And then it's down to you whether or not you want to break that contract. It's not down to anybody else. It's for you to, using your gym analogy, to show up every day and to not leave the gym and go and get a Big Mac meal. It's to eat well and contribute what you can to give you that tailwind. Mm. And just the same way in the investing space, it's not just doing a course, but it's following through, getting your account open, taking trades, taking counsel when you need it, uh, journaling, understanding the decision-making process and and growing your confidence first. Uh, and I think... You know, to that point also, a lot of people are looking for instant gratification. You know, we live in a world now which is dominated by social media where, you know, you post something, you get likes, you feel good for people that get off on that stuff. And if something doesn't give immediate or instant gratification, it becomes boring. And Mm -hmm. and, and building wealth is a long-term prospect. It doesn't happen overnight, whether that be in crypto, the stock market or property. You've got to put the time in to get there. And that first step is about building confidence and competence and consistency not money Mm. but people want to build the money straight away but you've got Mm. to build that platform just like when you're doing a development or building a house you've got to put the foundations in it's not about the penthouse pool deck it's about getting the foundations in and once you've taken the time to do that and your confidence is growing you can then move it forward and grow and then that's where the money comes but how many people want to wait six months 12 months two years before they see the needle really move they want it now and and investing is not always like that yeah yeah like for me to get my first my first house i put together a deposit in a couple of years and it's basically the same fairly frugal lifestyle for 3 years before i saw really like i got to f- like see what that got me and it's very boring like at a, at a certain point too, in my opinion, at least uh, the way I've been trying to grow my wealth, it's just repeating the same fairly boring uh, habits every day to reap yep. the rewards of it way into the future at a point in time that I can't even see or put my hands on yet. That, that's delayed gratification though, Damien. Yeah. And, 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 and first off, and please don't take this in any, any kind of condescending or patronizing way, congratulations, because so many people that are younger feel that property is out of their reach so why bother let's just mm-hmm. go on a trip let's buy some threads from you know Louis Vuitton or whatever it might be yeah and forget about the whole notion of owning a property but you've done the graft and what you've just said is is absolutely right it's yeah. it's 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 that pay it forward that sacrifice today that budgeting and it doesn't sound sexy or exciting but mm-hmm. budgeting and sacrifice today is just a game that guarantees you get what you want for the rest of your life down the track but yeah. that only starts once you start. So congratulations yeah. to you, man. Yeah. Really, no, thanks. Really- I appreciate it. Yeah. One thing I was going to ask that you mentioned before that um, obviously like talking about happiness and still finding things that might upset you and things that might stress you out, even though you've sort of kicked through the goalposts and achieved the goal that most people love the idea of having done themselves. You sort of mentioned that your goals, uh, uh, your goals sort of changed and evolved as to why you were investing and why you were trying to uh, retire early as you get older. And I just wondered, like, what was the original reason of, like, I want to invest because of X and how has that evolved to sort of where you are now? Gee whiz, that's a deep and meaningful one, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The hard questions today, brother. 
I think if if I look back and and I, I, I've just written a book actually, which uh, which is which is coming out very very shortly called the Wealth Playbook. And and one of the things I had to do as part of that was exactly this journey. What what was the thing that made you get started? And and doing a little bit of soul searching and really thinking about this. Like as I mentioned earlier, I had a pretty financially challenged upbringing very happy childhood which i think is really important to acknowledge money money doesn't equal happiness but yeah we had the essentials but we certainly didn't have any more than that and i was a voracious reader and i'd get through books just tear through them really really quickly so my father used to bring home from the car factory where we work one of the guys he worked with had a subscription to national geographic and they used to have these adverts for rolex watches in there and i'd be looking at this going how on earth can anyone afford to have you know 10 20 30 40 50 60 mm. grand strapped on their arm when everyone in my street in the little railway town that I live in, you know, is struggling to make ends meet and, you know, and has got holes in their jeans or shoes or whatever it might be. It created a fascination with that particular thing at one point in time, which was, which was a short-term goal on the way through. I guess that's just something that provided a little bit of color or fuel in the tank. And I think goals are things that have to evolve over time because as human beings, we change over time as well. And as a young man being, you know, full of testosterone and naive and, and, and chasing a pipe dream, you can afford to take a lot of chances and, and be very, very aggressive. And then as you start to see it work, as you have on your property journey, you can then go, okay, I can continue on this pathway. And some of those world-class basics like budgeting never change. We still do that in our house. I know we don't have to worry about it, but we still do because they're the foundations of financial success. You wish sometimes a government did the same thing and spent less than it earned, but that's a that's a, a conversation over a beer, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, and and so that habit that you've got is what's going to then enable you to get your personal debt paid down and start moving into the world of uh, of an investment loan and investment debt and the tax benefits that come with that. So you're never going to stop that process because the muscle memory is ingrained there. And for me, the trading was. What changed was how much I needed to move the needle as, as the number grew. But what also changed, as I say, I, I started to expand um, out into other asset classes where you realize that the, the way that those assets work, like development, for example, which I've done, you know, big, big chunks of cash flow, but it's fairly irregular versus having a meat and potatoes investment property where there's a rent check every every week. So the, the parameters within them are quite different. And I guess as someone like you that's got this natural curiosity and, and wants to learn new things all the time, you've got to keep yourself fresh and out of the rut. The core skills that got you there are great. And then you leverage off them into the next thing or the next thing or the next thing, which it could be development, it could mm. be you know, renovations, it could be you know, shared, could be could be a whole raft of different things, commercial. Yeah. And and your goals need to evolve as you evolve as a human being. Otherwise, you will get bored with them. You know, it's it's, it's just as simple as that. You, you you have to keep yourself stimulated and play. I guess you call it the money game. That's certainly what we call it. And it's a game that's just you versus you. It's not you versus your investments. It's actually you versus you as to whether you've got the discipline, the focus, the burn, the desire, the want to go for that next thing. And more importantly, to not have the self-doubt to talk yourself out of it because you can have anything. As soon as you get in your own head, oh, you know, you're never going to do that. You're quite right. You never will. Or you've got to go give it a red hot crack. Mm, Even yeah, if you don't sure. get there, you're going to be ahead of where you are today. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You might not hit where you want to hit, but you'll you'll be further along the journey than if you just stayed where you were and did absolutely uh, F all for sure. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. You know, and we've all had those where things don't pan out the way you want. Um, you know, things things happen, and 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 the 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 whether it be the investment or the 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 thing in life that comes along, isn't what you were planning or expecting. 
but even then the outcome is that you've moved along and even if it if, if we're talking about investing even if it's something that doesn't make you money the learning process that you go through the skill set the muscle memory that you develop in getting it to that and just like my first investment in the stock market it didn't work and that prompted me to to want to learn more as to what went wrong with it so i could make it work and you know mm. i've done the same thing in property i've had developments that have been very very successful i've had a couple of absolute shockers like everybody has and i've probably learned more about myself uh, and also about that particular industry when the wheels come off uh, than when it's all beer and skittles for for young people listening because most of this audience is around the 20 mid 20s mark what who aren't investing what would be the things you would say to those people to sort of get them maybe to 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 take that step of getting started whether that's shares or trying to build up to buy a house or whatever investment they want to do like what words would you use to sort of give them that that final push i think in the first instance damien you've actually got to work out what you want um you know and oftentimes we're so busy chasing hustling or doing whatever it may be that we don't actually take the time to work out what it actually is that we want and you could liken it to climbing a ladder you get to the top of the ladder, but if you realize it's leaning against the wrong wall, you've really not got to where you want to get to. No. It's pretty frustrating. So take, taking a bit of time out to to actually work out what your goals are in life and more importantly, why they're your goals, why they're important to you, because that motivation, why will give you a kick up the pants to get started. And I think secondly, once you've established what you want from life, the biggest challenge for millennials right now, you know, and if I talk to my millennial clients, is it is really simple. Um they might be saddled with hex debt um, or it might be that I'm never going to be able to afford to get into the property market. And you can do both. You can get your debt sorted out and you can get yourself into the property market, but you've got to have a strategic plan. And that comes down to some of the things we've already talked of. You have to have a budget and, and a budget isn't a constraint. It's just making sure the things that are important to you are covered. So for argument's sake, let's say you don't mind going down to the trots or the pokies and putting a couple hundred bucks through there at the tap. Wouldn't recommend it. But if that's your thing that you like doing, Keep it in your budget so it's there. It's only a problem when it's not budgeted for. And as you start to budget, you have to be a net saver. You cannot dream of being an investor. You can't hope to own a property unless you know how to save more than what you earn or, or at least save a portion of what you earn on a regular and consistent basis because it's not just simply a question of, as you know, getting the deposit to get started in property or to fund a broking account. It's all the monthly pay monthly payments that go with it. So you've got to build that discipline and habit, which I, I still have now, which is crazy. My father is 81. He's been retired for 24 years and he's still saving because that habit of a lifetime is, 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 is so, so ingrained. And as you start to save, getting yourself out of the week to week, which so many people unfortunately find themselves trapped in. We talked a little good and bad debt, getting rid of buy now, pay later, after pay, all that junk, because what you're buying is something that you think is going to make you feel good. You hate the thing before you've even finished paying for it. Be really disciplined. Don't build up any debt. Start building that non-week to week, one month safety net, and then try and push that to three months. Mm. And if you can build the skill set over 90 days to continue to save for your three months of expenses, what you've then built is a habit that's going to carry you forward to better save for a deposit on a property. may not be where you want to live, but if it's an investment property, it's not about where you want to live. It's where you can actually make some money. And that's mm. and it doesn't matter where it, my first property transaction was in a terrible place in London. But it's all I could afford. And it gave me my start. And if I hadn't have done that, I'd have just been like everybody else, renting probably where I wanted to live. 
but never getting ahead financially, living in the moment and having the the enjoyment of, oh, I live where I want to live, but actually building nothing long-term, which which is a very, very hollow pathway to nowhere over mm. the long term. So for young guys and girls listening to this, just get started. Start with what are your goals? Why are they your goals? And if your goal is to travel, that's okay, but it's going to delay starting on the money journey if you blow your cash traveling around the world. Nothing wrong with travel. Get the money side of it sorted out first of all, and you can travel for the rest of your life. Just delay it a little bit, and then you can have it forever. And look, I mean, this is all stuff, as I mentioned, we've, we have a book coming out called The Wealth Playbook, and it goes through all of this in a very step-by-step fashion, You know, what age you are, where you're at in the journey, and what steps you need to do next, and more importantly, why? Because let's face it, nobody wants to listen to somebody that's just, you've got to do this, you've got no one wants to be told what to do. But if you can be educated as to why those things are important and what they actually mean from a practical perspective, well, you're probably going to go, yeah, that kind of resonates and makes sense. Let's give it a go versus some old codger that says, you've got to do this, you've got to do No one wants to be told what to do, but if you can learn mm. along the way yeah. and, and, and apply your knowledge, that's where that's where you're going to kick goals in life. Well, I, I was going to say, we'll wrap up there. Do you want to let people know um, how they can get in touch with you, how they can learn more about the upcoming book or to learn about the, the investment education platform yeah. as well? 100%. In terms of next steps, if people are interested in looking at either the stock market or our book, the, the stock market, you can find us at australianinvestmenteducation.com.au or through social media or on Facebook there. You'll find us on there. There's a whole bunch of free resources that you can register for and start getting access to and, and, and really starting your learning journey on us uh, so you can start to build that momentum. And, and, and the book, it's called Wealth Playbook. You can find the landing page for that, wealthplaybook.com.au. Get your copy in. It'll, it'll set you free. It's all the journey that I've been on, and it's the advice I, I'm giving my kids, and it's the advice I'll give anyone that listens to because mm. it effectively enables you over the next 10 to 15 years to set yourself up for financial freedom. Beautiful. Thank you again for the time, Andrew. I really appreciate it, bud. My pleasure, Damien. Absolute pleasure being on your show. Thanks very much. Cheers.